This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. It's great to be here. Um, talk about school. Yeah, it's kind of hard. That's enough about that, right? So we can move on. Uh, let's see. It dawned on me that if I were to preach really fast, we could hear the band again. Hey, how cool is that? So um, we're going to talk about time. So time goes by really fast. Uh, God owns time. Um, live for God and, and life is better. Come on up, band. I love the band. Don't you guys love the band? That is phenomenal. Yeah. George Carlin thought a lot about time. Do you remember George Carlin? Comedian. He says, do you realize that the only time in our lives when we like to get old is when we're kids? If you're less than 10 years old, you're so excited about aging that you think in fractions. How old are you? Four and a half. You're never 36 and a half. You're four and a half. You're going on five. That's the key. Four and a half. You get into your teens. Now you can't hold back. You jump up to the next number or even a few ahead. Hey, how old are you? I'm going to be 16. Now you might be 13, but you're going to be 16. And then the greatest day of your life, you become 21. I mean, it sounds like a ceremony. You become 21. <laughs> but then you, you turn 30. Ooh, what happened? It, it makes you sound like bad milk. Hey, he turned. We had to throw him out. No fun now. He's just a sour dumpling. What's wrong? What's changed? He turned. So you become 21, you turn 30, and then you're pushing 40. <laughs> Put on the brakes, it's slipping away. Before you know it, you reach 50. The dreams are gone, life's kind of over. But wait, you make it to 60. You didn't think you would. You made it to 60. You build up so much speed that you hit 70. <laughs> After that, it's a day-by-day -day thing. You hit Wednesday. You hit Thursday. <laughs> you, you get into your 80s, and now every day is a complete cycle. You hit lunch. You turn 4.30. You reach bedtime. It doesn't end there into the 90s. In, in fact... You start going backwards. How old are you? I was just 92. I'm going back that way. Then a strange thing happens. If you make it over 100, you become a little kid again. Hey, how old are you? I have a hundred and a half. You're back to fractions. How cool is that? George Carlin, as the writers of Scripture would suggest, time goes by pretty fast. 
I wanted to take a few minutes of your time to think with you about time. How does God see time? What does He say about time in the Bible? The brevity of time. The first thing that the Scripture clearly asserts is that time really does go by fast. Uh, Psalm 90, uh, starting in verse 1, I'm going to go to verse 12. It says, Lord, this is written by Moses. It says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God's eternal. He's faithful in all generations. Verse 3 says we're not. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, like a watch in the night. Time goes by fast. Uh, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new. By evening it's dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger, terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may become or may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass. <laughs> Listen to this, Cap. We fly away. They quickly pass. We fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. By the way, you know what that's about? You know why we die? Because all those years ago, Adam and Eve said to themselves, our plan is better than God's plan. God didn't create us to die. It was our sin that separated us from God, and that's what brought about death. But there's a really good ending. God has beat that. That's conquered. Uh, there was a song we just sang about, uh, so will I, Jesus rose from the grave, and guess what, I know Jesus, and so will I. If you know Jesus, so will you. That's great news, Mark, huh? That's great news. So it's, it's our sin that separates us from him. And in verse 12, he says, Therefore, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. If time goes by really fast, then how do we live in time? We ask God to teach us. Help us to make really good use of our time. Help us to number our days so that we present to you a life or a heart full of wisdom. Now, my friend, Vernon Grounds, who is now with Jesus, talked about the biblical view of time 40 years ago. And I took notes, and I wrote Vernon Grounds, whom I did not know, and I said, I loved your sermon. It meant so much to me. And he wrote me back. And he sent me a cassette. Cassettes? 
He sent me a cassette of his sermon and basically said, let's be buds. And until Jesus called him home, he was a bud. So as I think this morning about time, I'm thinking about my buddy, Dr. Vernon Grounds. Dr. Grounds said this. He said the longest biography is in the light of eternity like snow on the desert's face that lingers for a few seconds and it's gone. The Bible says that time goes by fast. So what does numbering your days to gain a heart full of wisdom look like? J. Wilbur Chapman, Chapman said this. He said, anything that dims my vision of Christ or takes away my taste for Bible study or cramps my prayer life or makes Christian work difficult is wrong for me. And I must, as a Christian, turn away from it. That was written by a dear brother who wanted to number his days and gain a heart full of wisdom. Bill Borden, who died in the early 1900s, who was a student at Yale, he said in his journal during his college days, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. How about that? Pretty good way to live. Say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. So, we're talking about the fact that time passes really quick and that we should live wise lives, lives before the face of God. What does that look like? I have a tendency to think that that means that as a believer, I should live a really pressured life. Just, I'm, I'm at it. I'm in the game. I'm at the task. And, and there is a sense in which we should really live purposely and and intentionally, and we should live really hard. But the one who made us, and who tells us time goes by fast, and our lives are brief, you know what he said? He said to his people Israel, remember the Sabbath, and keep it holy. So he says, here's the rhythm of life. Six days you work really hard, and on the seventh day, rest. And in fact, the idea in that rest is a kind of joyous, festive time. You're celebrating the God who loves you and who made you and who cares for you. When, when Israel is, is freed from the domination and slavery of Egypt, they say, hey, what are we going to eat? God says, I got you. I'm going to give you manna from heaven and six days you're going to gather the manna but on the seventh day don't bother to go out i'm taking that day off i'm resting and i want you to rest too i want everyone in your household to rest i want your animals to rest how good is god in exodus when he says the commandment for the first time he says that's how he made you so because I created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh, you should too. So when God was making us, he was thinking, what would be good for my people? He says, really be good if they worked. And it would be really good if they rested. 
had some time off. Um, God is not a workaholic. And he is saying to you and to me, as those who know him, you shouldn't be a workaholic either. Is that not good news? Now, he repeats the commandment in Deuteronomy, and in Deuteronomy, he says it a bit differently. He says, because you were a slave in Egypt, and I rescued you. I redeemed you. You should take some time off, because I'm not like Pharaoh. I'm not like the world's power figures. I'm different. I take care of my folks. Take some time off. One of my favorite theologians is Aaron Rodgers. He plays for the Green Bay Packers. A couple years ago, the team was one and two. He hadn't thrown for 200 yards in two of the three games. And the Packer fans were a little bit nervous. And he goes to the mic and he says, five letters. R E L. A-X. Relax. God is whispering to us that even though time is precious and it goes by, He's not just interested in us getting somewhere. He's interested in how we get there. I am preaching at Nags Head Church. For me, it's like playing in the Super Bowl. I love this church. But you know what? I had a great time getting here this week. I, I left on Wednesday, and I went to see my good buddies, Ed and Liz, who used to be here. And we talked about baseball. We grieved the Dodgers' demise. Uh, we talked about grandkids and kids. And we talked about devotions and how to have a really good Bible study. And, and we drank coffee. I'm really excited to be here, Paul. But I had a great time getting here. I got here on Thursday. On Thursday afternoon, I was at the rec park watching Buddy Coach's boy play football. And I got to see Heather there, and their six children. And they were having a blast. I'm glad to be here, but boy, did I have fun Thursday afternoon watching that great group of kids. What a wonderful job their parents did. I love that. I was happy. I'm happy to be here, but I was happy to get here. God really wants us to enjoy life. I'm going to say some pretty tough things and things that are going to make you feel pressured, and, and if I do it, I'm not exactly hitting the way I want to hit it. Because God wants you not just to get somewhere. He wants you to enjoy getting there. He is not like Pharaoh. He takes care of us. He cares about us. And when he says, take Sunday, take that seventh day, he is saying, trust me. I will take care of you. The Bible says that time is brief. Now, J.D. Greer, pastor in uh, the Raleigh-Durham area, said that as he thought about how to live his life, he felt he should do everything. And when he went to the church and a speaker spoke about that, he should do that. And when the spoker, speaker talked about this, he should do this. And he should go to this cause and support that missionary. He should do everything. And then he got a note from a friend who saw how overworked and pressured he was. The friend said to him, J.D., not everything from heaven 
has your name on it. There are lots of great things that are going on in the Christian community. But not everything from heaven has your name on it or my name on it. In the words of Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, because our God is a really good God who wants us to not just get somewhere, but wants us to enjoy getting there. You know what? If not everything from heaven has my name on it, then that means, Charlie, that something from heaven, that thing, one thing, maybe two things, something from heaven does have my name on it. Do that thing. As partners at Nags Head Church, you just can't do everything. It doesn't have your name on it, but something at Nags Head Church would be better if God put your name on that and you say, I'll do that. I will do that. Time goes by fast. The first big idea I see in Scripture about time. There's a second thing I want you to think about in terms of time. And that is the uncertainty of time. I am going to turn to James. Chapter 4, verse 13. Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. As it is, he says instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. (laughs) Great Bible verse. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. The Bible commends planning. The problem is not planning. What the Bible condemns is living as though God's not a part of it. That God's somehow not in control. Life is uncertain. Our time is uncertain. So we live in humility before the God who made us. We had a tragedy in New York. Was it Tuesday? The guy with the truck. There were people on bicycles and and walking. Governor Cuomo said they left their house that morning expecting a really good day. They had no idea they wouldn't go home. Life is uncertain. I should be quick to be right with God and quick to be right with people that I care about. The dearest person in my life was a young named Terry, the mother of my three children. Terry died in 2005. We had some struggles. I made some bad choices that hurt her, hurt my marriage, hurt my kids. 
our marriage broke, and then God saved my soul. I experienced His love and His grace, and I desperately wanted to love Terry the way God was loving me. And God, in His goodness, put us back together. She forgave me. He forgave me. She forgave me. And for the last five years of her life, we had such a rich time. The week that she died, I was visiting. We spent huge amounts of time together. And I was going to my car. She says, Sam, 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 come back a second. I went back a second. And then she said, I think I'll keep what she said to me. But it was sweet. It was kind. It was gracious. It was good. And within a few days, Terry was gone. She went into a coma. She never regained consciousness. It was our last face-to-face conversation. It was good. Don't you think since time is uncertain, we should work pretty hard at living right with God and living right with each other? Some of you may have lost someone close and your last moment was not like that. okay God's over that too and I can suggest to you that that loved one in the presence of Jesus looks down from heaven towards you with nothing but grace and when you see them again I don't think the first words will be what were we talking about what did you say to me it's going to be a warm embrace and words filled with kindness That's who our God is, and that's how he changes us. Time is uncertain. It's clear in the Bible. Time is uncertain. Let me suggest to you another thought about time. Time is is meant to have a specific kind of glory, a specific peak at the top of the pyramid. Something that means more than everything else. Something that meant more to Terry than anything else. You know what the glory of time is? Jeremiah. Chapter 9. Verse 23. This is what the Lord says. This is God speaking, so He's going to tell us what's really, really, really important. Since... Time is brief, and since our time is uncertain, this is what he says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom. Now, my brother Larry just completed a rigorous degree program at Liberty. He had to even take math, he told me. No one should have to take math. It's of the devil. I... I, I You can take that out. (laughs) That was a great accomplishment. But I can tell you, I know that brother. He does not boast in his wisdom, nor should he. 
Being wise is a really good thing, but God says, don't, don't boast in that. Don't let the strong man boast of their strength. Ah, who comes to mind? My brother, Buddy, the strong guy. You know what? He didn't boast in that. God says, don't do that. And he doesn't do that. He says, are the rich man boast of their riches? Now, now I have to kind of mention myself because since 2012, I've been living on Social Security. So I'm, I'm really kind of up there. God says, don't flaunt it to these dear people that every month, every month, don't do that. He says, let the one who boasts, boast about this. They have the understanding to know me, to know God. He says, then I am the Lord. I exercise kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these, I delight. That's what I say. That's what God says. Here's the most important thing about time, pursuing God. Because it seems that somehow if you are pursuing God and you get who He is, it changes who you are and how you are and how you connect with sons and daughters and husbands and wives, uh, partners in a church, people you work with. I'm kind, I'm just, I'm right. How cool is that? Hey, I know that guy from Nagshead Church. You know what? He's really kind. He's really fair. He does things the right way. How do you explain that? He looks like his father. You can see his father's face. Is that not cool? The glory of time. Just to know the God who owns time and the God who made us. I love the great hymns of the faith. D.W. Whittle, thinking about time and knowing God and trusting God, said, moment by moment, I'm kept in His love. Moment by moment, I've life from above. Looking to Jesus till glory doth shine. Moment by moment, O Lord, I am Thine. I belong to Jesus. Moment by moment, I have life from above. Annie Hawks wrote, I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. When I came to know Jesus, and my life continued that downward spiral because of all the people I had wounded, when everyone I knew in my mind had left me with really good reasons, I got alone. I began to pace. And God's tender voice spoke to my heart. I'm still with you. If everyone else leaves, I'm still here. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine. I heard that voice. Can peace afford? I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. 
Lena Sandell wrote, Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Listen to this, Randy. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. Trusting in the Father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. Leela Norris wrote, Sweeter as the years go by, sweeter as the years go by, richer, fuller, deeper, Jesus' love is sweeter. Sweeter as the years go by. Jim Hill wrote, What a day that will be when Jesus I shall see. I look upon His face, the one who saved me by His grace. When He takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day. Glorious day. That will be. The greatest joy in all the world is knowing Jesus and making Him known. It's the glory of time. Fourth idea, the tragedy of time. You know what the tragedy of time is? I would think the tragedy of time is when our dreams are shattered. I would think the tragedy of time is when we lose someone dear to us, someone that we love. But those things are the stuff of life. Those things aren't unexpected. Those things are expected. Flawed people live with flawed people in a fallen world before a God who's faithful. Before a God who's faithful. The tragedy of time is wasting time. Ephesians 5, Paul writes, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understanding or understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. King James Version of the Bible talks about redeeming the time. Time is brief. Time's uncertain. There's a glory in it. But it can be wasted. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's talking to believers. Not people who don't know Jesus. People who do know Jesus. For we must, not an option, it's going to happen. You know, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the things we have done in our bodies, that is, during that time when we're alive, to give an account for the things done in the body, whether, Paul says, they be good or bad. Now, what does good mean? 
That particular word has the idea of that which is lovely. It's not just right, but there's a beauty in it. There's something winsome about it. It just beckons you toward it. Let me illustrate that. Yesterday, I attended a worship service at a nursing home that, that Randy led. Don and Frank were there and, and Mark and I was there and a bunch of folks were there and we had a great time singing. Guess what happened? Frank is sitting over here and I'm sitting next to a gal that I went to high school with. We were both in our 80s, I think. But Frank's over here. People kept coming in. You know what happened? When they would come in, Frank would grab a songbook and go where they were and put it in front of them. He was such a gracious host. And then he'd come back and he would notice that this dear fellow or that dear gal didn't pick up the number. He would graciously walk to where they were sitting and turn the page so they could see the hymn we were singing. Toward the end, a lady walked into the far side on the right. I'm here, she's there, Frank's here. She's standing up. You know what I did? Kept singing. <laughs> Kept sitting. You know what Frank did? Picked up his chair. He walked around the back of the room to where she was. And she, he put it down. And she sat. That's so good. That is so lovely. I, I thought, Jesus says, hey, Dad, look down there. That's my guy. Notice what he's doing. The Spirit is saying, oh, yeah, yeah, but I kind of, you know, I, I had a part of this. Don't you think that the Trinity was celebrating the goodness that Frank was demonstrating? What's the big deal? That's a grand deal. Jesus says, if, if you give cool cups of water to thirsty people in my name, that's a really big deal. That was good. I hope I never forget Frank and what he did. I want to be like him. There's a gap, but I want to be like him. Whether it be good or bad. You know what the word bad means? We probably think it means morally evil. And there's a word that means <laughs> morally evil. This word seems to mean useless. Just useless. So it's possible that we can have a saved soul and a wasted life. That's the tragedy of time. That's the tragedy of time. Johnny Erickson Tata, paralyzed from the neck down, a quadriplegic, has a history of working really hard. When she was asked, why do you work so hard? She said, this is the only time in history when I get to fight for God. This is the only part of my eternal story when I am actually in the battle. Once I die, 
<laughs> I'll be in celebration mode in a glorified body, in a whole different set of circumstances. This is my limited window of opportunity. And I'm going to fight the good fight for all I'm worth. Is that good? It's good that she said it. Have you ever been around her? I was in a conference at Word of Life when she was the featured speaker. Guess what happened between sessions? She laughed a lot. One of my favorite little stories is written by a guy who said, I saw Johnny dance. She celebrates. She's just not going somewhere. She's having a great time on the way. She's intentional. She's not pressured because she has a Father in heaven who loves her and says, trust me, I got you. There's a fifth thing about time. That's the urgency of time. I suspect you already know what I'm going to say. It's possible that you're here and don't know Jesus. I went to church a long time and didn't know Jesus. Do you know how many decisions adults make in a day? Supposedly 35,000. It's a lot of decisions. Do you know that Yogi Berra, when he was giving directions to his house, said, when you come to the fork in the road, take it? Because he lived in a circle, and no matter which way you went, you ended at his house. Didn't make any difference. Most of our decisions don't make a big difference. But deciding to follow or not follow, to trust or not trust in Jesus, makes all the difference in the world. Not just in time, but in eternity. So here... I've mentioned a fellow named Bill Borden. Let me tell you a bit about Bill Borden. He was a rich guy from a rich family, went to Yale. He was smart, accomplished. People loved him. They attracted to him. He decided that God had called him to a missionary life. He went to Cairo, Egypt, to tell Muslims about Jesus. And at the age of 25, he died. Life's brief, uncertain, but he lived for God. He didn't waste his life, he invested his life. When they went, the family, to pick up his stuff, buried in Cairo, but his stuff to bring it home, they found in his Bible three sets of words. When he came to know Jesus as a teenager, he had written in his Bible, no reserves. I'm going to give all that I am to Jesus. I want that for me. I want that for my kids. I want that for you and yours. No reserves. I'm going to follow Jesus. Apparently, as he was going through college and people were offering him options, even though he felt called to missions, he wrote in his Bible two words, no retreats. I will not turn back from following God's call on my life. No reserves, no retreats. And apparently in the days of his illness, just before his death, he wrote two words, no regrets. If we see time through God's eyes and choose to follow Jesus, it just could be that we can end our lives with no regrets.
I came to faith in Jesus late. I have lots of things I wish I would have done differently. But Jesus forgave me. And he wants to forgive you. God bless you, dear ones. God bless you. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.